Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So the Apostle Paul clearly doesn't believe in periods. That was a great reading. Uh, my name is Bryson. I used to be one of the residents here, like as of five minutes ago. Um, yeah, just as I was reflecting on the last two years um, this past week, um, it's been an interesting two years in the Quad Cities, um, and I'm not going to grade the Quad Cities based on the last two years, I don't think. I don't know how common inland hurricanes are. Um, I hear they're rare, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that one pass. Um, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for how the Lord has worked in my family and I's life this past couple years, thankful to experience uh, what it's like to have the gospel kind of set up roots in community and on mission, um, see how the gospel just kind of plays itself out in everyday life. Uh, despite a global pandemic or an election or uh, adrenal fatigue, my grandpa had that same thing. He... Yeah. <laughs> but the Lord's proved himself faithful. Um, he promises that he's going to complete the good work in us himself. And while uh, I'm far from completion, uh, my wife would attest to that. I uh, can definitely tell I'm a lot closer to Jesus now than I was two years ago. So I'm thankful for that and how these two years have formed us. Um, now I don't want you to think that this morning uh, is like some sort of valedictorian thing. Uh, if it was, it would not be me that was talking. Uh, now, maybe if it was like a most handsome thing. It was close, and then I grew the stash and ran away with it. So, but, uh, we're, we're kind of talking about rhythms uh, and things that we like to do here at Sacred City on a normal basis. Uh, and one of our rhythms that we like to have is to give Pastor Justin a week off in the pulpit when we have an opportunity. So I'm blessed to get to preach God's word to you this morning. But before we do that, I want to pray for us. Father. I thank you for just drawing us again this morning 
to yourself. Thank you for bringing us here um, as people who are saved by grace, people under one banner. Father, this morning we are bringing in a lot of baggage that came throughout our week. We're bringing in difficulties and sufferings and just the effects of living in a fallen world. There's a lot of bad news to be heard, and so that's what makes this morning special as we get to step away from what looks bad and step into what looks good and hear your good news. So Father, this morning, would you let your good news and your glory be the thing that is manifested and magnified before anything else? Would you speak to your people? Would you help us know you and love you more? Would you do all of this for your glory and our good? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, this is our 11th week in this series that we're calling Fundamentals. Uh, and in this series, uh, we're kind of going over some key things uh, that make up Sacred City, things that make Sacred City what Sacred City is. Um, and this week, we're going to continue focusing on some specific rhythms that we have here at Sacred City. Now, when I say rhythms, I want you to kind of understand what I mean when I'm saying that. Rhythms are really just kind of normal things that you do in your everyday life. Uh, these aren't things that are, a, a rhythm isn't necessarily specific to Sacred City. There are rhythms that every culture has done in every era or season or generation in any, any part of the world. Rhythms are found in any culture, and this specific rhythm that we're focusing on this morning of bless is also found in many different cultures and many different time periods. But rhythms are kind of the things that we do, um, and in this series we also focus on some of the things that we are, or our identities. Um, and we've been given as people who are born again in Christ, these new identities. We've discussed some of what those were, the first five weeks of this sermon series. Um, so if you've not heard those, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those identities uh, and, and find out like who it is that we are and what that means that we do. Um, but with these new identities comes a new way of doing these normal, everyday rhythms. So when we have a new identity in Christ, we have a new way that we bless people. So just to recap, Rhythms, there are things that we do with a new intentionality because of who we are in Christ. So this week, like I said, we're moving on to the rhythm of bless. And what is it that I mean when I say bless? Uh, in our text this morning, we've seen that blessing was kind of a, a key word that was used in our text. But what do we mean exactly when we say the word bless? I think if we're not careful, that can be a term that's kind of generalized and can mean just about anything that you want it to mean. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, kind of moving forward, I want to define our terms uh, and kind of have a working definition moving forward of what bless actually is, what I say when I mean bless. And when I, when I define this word, what I want to do is resemble what the Apostle Paul says in our text as closely as possible. So what I want to do is define the word for us. And then we'll go back to our text and kind of see where we're pulling some of those things out. So when I say bless, I mean an unconditional and undeserved word or deed done for the good of another. 
It's pretty simple, right? An unconditional or undeserved word or deed done for the good of another. But where am I getting that in our text this morning? So let's start uh, with unconditional and undeserved. Where are we kind of pulling that out from? And we'll go back to verse 3 and read through verse 5. It'll be on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. All right, so when does Paul say that we were chosen? Paul writes that before the foundation of the world, that's when God chose us. In Romans, he also points out that it was before we were even born, before we've done anything good or anything bad, God has chosen his people. Now, election or choosing can be kind of a controversial topic. We have some podcasts out on that as well, if you want to go back and listen to kind of what Sacred City stance is there. Um, But election or the choosing of God is actually the thing that makes this unconditional and undeserved. It's the thing that makes blessing something that does not consider our performance. As a matter of fact, God's blessing is oftentimes in spite of our performance. And we said that blessing was both undeserved and unconditional. So we look back and see how God has chosen us before the foundation of the world, before we've done anything good, anything bad, and that's what makes it unconditional and undeserved. We also said that it was a word or a deed. So where are we kind of pulling that from? Let's go back to verses 5 through 10. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So these are all the deeds that are done by Christ on our behalf. These are things that Christ has done to bless those who are in Christ, those who he has chosen before the foundations of the world. We see that he's adopted us. We see that he's given us redemption by his blood. He's forgiven us of our sins. And he's, uh, he's, he's, all these actions are a lavishing of God's grace to bless those whom he has chosen to bless. There are things that he has done, actions that he has taken. But we said that blessing is also a word. So where are we getting that idea? In verse 13 of this text, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So Paul says we're blessed by hearing the word of truth, or the gospel of our salvation. So, quick recap before we go on. A blessing is an unconditional and undeserved word or deed to the good of another. All right, so we have this definition. So what? That doesn't answer the question that really matters, which is why? Why does God bless? And what are we supposed to do with this blessing from God? 
Well, we don't have to look far to find the answer to the question, why does God bless? In verses 6 and verse 7, God points out that all the blessing that he does is primarily towards one end, his own glory. God is first and foremost concerned with his own glory. That's the chief end to all blessings from God, his own glory. Now, when you hear that, if we think of that through ourselves, that would be kind of selfish. Or at least seems like it would be kind of selfish. Is that true? Is God being primarily concerned about his own glory, kind of an egotistic thing? I, I actually don't think so. Actually, I believe it's the most loving thing for God to do to be concerned with his own glory more than anything else. Actually, I think that's the only way that he can bless us. Because for God to truly bless the world, he must be concerned with the thing that is the greatest in the world. He is the highest good himself. So for all blessings to come out of this place of goodness, it has to come from a place of bringing God glory first. Now, blessing is a concept that is not unique to our text this morning. Uh, it's not just specific to Ephesians chapter 1, but we can even go back to Genesis chapter 1 and we can see God's call to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. You can hear that as God even saying, be a blessing. And this plan of God to be a blessing is blatantly expressed in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham. I'm going to read that for you. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you, and I will make sure I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in him all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now why does God bless us? To be a blessing. God's plan to have a people whom he will use to bless the earth is nothing new. It goes back to the garden. It goes back to his covenant with Abraham. All right, so if this is the case, if this is God's plan, then why isn't the world just kind of one big Mr. Beast video? Okay, everyone under 30 knows what I'm talking about. Ask your kids. Oh, here, here's one for your generation. Um, Oprah. Why isn't everybody just getting a new car? That's not our experience. Our experience isn't that we are blessed and blessed and blessed from every which way and angle. Now, why is that? Because ever since God made this promise to Abraham... Satan has been trying to stall the effects of this blessing to the world. God makes this promise to Abraham, and then he gives Abraham a son. And things are, you know, it's not the best, but it, it was okay for a couple of generations. And then Abraham's descendants become slaves. 
the blessing stalled a little bit. And then they wander the desert for 40 years. The blessings stalled a little bit. Then they become divided. Then they become destroyed. And they rebuild some stuff. And then they're conquered. It's not looking too hot for the blessings of the nations through this specific people. God's promise to Abraham isn't looking that great. Come to the end of the, New, the Old Testament. But then there's this curveball. God sends his son, born in some podunk town. We'll say like Donahue or something. He lives a truly blessed life. Obeys the Father perfectly. And what does he do? Gives up his freedom to save slaves, to save people enslaved to sin. He gives up riches of heaven to wander a desert himself for 40 days, tempted by Satan himself to overcome, die a criminal's death, and he gets raised to new life. Why? To restore and unite that which has been divided, destroyed, and conquered back to a holy God. He's fulfilled the promise that God made to Abraham all by himself. And what does he do? He calls those who have come to him in faith and repentance, and he calls them to participate in the same blessing. He sends us out to be an expression of this promise to Abraham, a blessing to the nations. He blesses us so that we will join him in blessing. The promise of God was fulfilled in Christ and it's expressed through those who are in Christ. Now, just because the promise of Abraham has been fulfilled, it doesn't mean that Satan has given up his efforts to stop us from blessing the world. He wants to continue stalling the effects as long as he can. Now, I don't mean to say that somehow he's able to undo what Christ has done. When Jesus said, it's finished, he means that it's finished. But there are still strategies that Satan implements to stall and stop Christians from actively participating in the rhythm of gospel blessing. And I believe there are two specific strategies that he uses today in our world to fight against Christians blessing others. The first we'll call consumerism, and the second is a self-help culture. Now, what do I mean by these two things? Let's start with consumerism first. How does consumerism discourage us from blessing other people? Now, with a quick Google search, you'll find that consumerism is a social and economic order that encourages the acquisition of goods and services in an ever-increasing amount. Now, what does that mean? It means that our society and our economy say, 
get more stuff. You need the newer and the better and the upgrade. You need to have it all. It's not enough to have the phone that scans your thumbprint so you can open it. Now you have to have the one that scans your face. Then what next is the smell, maybe? <laughs> that might be kind of easy with some of the teenagers, teenage boys. It's not enough to have a car that's five years old. That's kind of a beater now. What we need is the new Tesla, the one that massages your back while it also drives for you. Or maybe your significant other and you just aren't getting along anymore. So what can you do? You pull up Tinder. You swipe right until you get a match. We have plenty of choices and are encouraged to explore those choices indefinitely. We're encouraged to spend our life just getting to the end of the choices, getting the next, getting the newer, getting the best. And until we've found personal achievement and happiness and life and joy and fulfillment in the things that we've consumed, then we need to keep going. Continue shopping. Continue keeping up with the Joneses. We constantly need to be consuming more and more and more. Now, how does this work against the rhythm of blessing others? Well, if blessing is a rhythm found in every culture, couldn't it be a rhythm that's found in a consumeristic culture as well? Yeah? But I think there's a bit of a prerequisite to blessing in a consumeristic culture. We must make sure that we have all that we want or all that we could possibly want first. And then, once we've got all our desires met, we're free to be able to bless other people. When I have the house that I want or the spouse that I want, the kids that I want, the job I want, the car I want, the savings account I want, then I'm free to bless other people. But until then, I need to make sure that my efforts and my resources are focused on ways for me to get closer to the things that I desire and the experiences that I want to be a part of for my family and I. And until I'm able to do that, I need to just step away from blessing other people for a while, focus on myself, Get, when we get the new boat, then we'll give a little more. Now, is it wrong to enjoy nice things? Is it wrong to have the newest phone, the newest shoes, the newest car, the church with the music that you like to listen to, with the preaching that you like to listen to at a different church, and then maybe the small group that you like to go to at a different church. And then that one Baptist church has the best potlucks, so you want to go to that church. I think maybe it, is, maybe it is wrong. If you are more caught up with the rhythm of consumption than the rhythm of blessing, I think that you have maybe steered off of this promise that God's calling us into. Blessing can't be determined 
by all the stuff that we want and the stuff that we desire first. Why? Because there's always newer. There's always better. There's always the upgrade. A consumeristic society is predicated on the fact that you will continue to consume and consume and consume. Which means there's always something else on the way. If you wait until you have all that you need, if you wait until the desires of your heart are fully met before you bless people, guess what? You finally got the phone you want, but now there's a new one. So now you got to save up and get that phone before you can bless somebody because you don't have it yet. That's the strategy of Satan and consumerism. Keep you distracted with stuff. Stall the effects of blessing others. But then there's a second strategy used to keep Christians from blessing. We call that a self-help culture. In 2019, self-help books reached nearly $20 billion in sales. Our culture loves this idea of self-help. Now, what do I mean when I say self-help? I think specifically it means a self-guided improvement or a self-motivation um, towards a specific end, a specific person. Self-help says throw all your resources and efforts at helping yourself achieve all that you want to achieve. Know all you want to know and become all you want to become. Your, li your life isn't what you want it to be. What you need to do is you need to wake up earlier, get that extra strong coffee, go get a jog in, turn on a rock video, like, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, let him, let him motivate you a little bit to get some stuff done. You got you to envision your reality and then speak it into existence. Or maybe, maybe it looks like, you know, you know what, girl, this is what you need to do. Stop apologizing. Girl, wash your face. <laughs> Do you? You don't need no man. Now, is it wrong to want to improve yourself? I don't, I don't think so. I think even, even part of sanctification is, in a sense, God improving you to be more like Jesus. So where does self-help culture go wrong? Where do they miss it? Well, it actually looks really similar to consumerism. Have you ever been on a plane and heard instructions prior to take off? What do they say? They say, uh, if you know, something crazy happens and your mask comes down, put your mask on first before you assist someone else. Now, that's good advice. <laughs> That, that mindset is, I'm not saying to not do that. Please do that if that happens. I hope you're not in a plane crash. But for you to put your mask on in every sphere of life, you'll never be able to bless anyone. Now, what I mean by that? Now, our culture has taken this mindset of putting your mask on before assisting others to the extreme. In an article 
on the Huffington Post, they write about this specific mentality of putting on your mask before assisting others, and then they give us some examples of what it means to put your mask on in life, some different masks that we can have. So before you help anyone else, be happy. Be organized. Be financially stable. Be, be independent. Cultured and woke. Confident. Be, be at peace. Oh. Be knowledgeable. Calm. You know, be centered with your universe. Make sure you're doing you, and then you can help other people. Get rid of all the stress and all the anxiety in your life, and then you'll have all the masks on that you need. You're free to help anyone you want. This is more than just saying, hey, make sure you're good before you help someone else. This is more than saying, hey, make sure your kids probably have food before you try and like provide for someone else. This is a live your best life now, and then when you get that, help other people. Be a blessing to other people. Now, what's the issue with that? Well, 2020 happens. Life gets in the way. Stress and anxiety, if they are relieved, it is only for a moment. And then what happens? The next stressful thing happens. You have one kid whose diaper you change, and then all of a sudden, now the next one needs changed. Stress and anxiety and a problem-free life as prerequisites before you bless anyone means that you're never going to bless anyone. And that's why it's a strategy used by Satan to stall the effects of God and blessing. Now, underneath both of these different mindsets or strategies, there's one common belief that is being pushed. Whether it's consumerism or self-help, they both boil down to one simple belief that there is something in your life that is lacking. There's something that you're missing. I want you to think about this for a second. How would you finish this sentence? If I had more blank, then I would bless others more often. Time? Money? Space? Stuff? Sleep? What is the thing that you're missing right now that is causing you to feel like you lack, the thing that keeps you from blessing. Consumerism and self-help culture both exist to convince you the more and more that there's something that's lacking in your life, something that you need before you can bless other people, something that you need to obtain, whether it's a thing, fill in the missing blank. And then whenever you do that, when you have more money, when you have more time, then you are perfectly free to bless anyone you want. Now, what's wrong with that? 
the idea that there's something that's lacking in your life. Is that true? Do we lack anything that we need to bless others? Let's go back to our text this morning and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Okay, so what are these blessings? Well, in Him, in love, He predestined us for adoption. It's one. To Himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which he has lavished us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, two, and the forgiveness of our trespasses, three, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, four, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, five, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were, in, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of, salvation, of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, six, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, if you look at the Apostle Paul's life, he certainly wasn't a man who was preoccupied with consumption or temporal, surface-level self-improvement. Actually, the Apostle Paul's life lacked a lot of basic things that we would call essential. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, He went through far greater labors far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false... We get it, Paul. We get it. And this same apostle, going through all of these things, he just won't quit. He won't quit planting churches. He won't quit preaching the gospel. He won't quit making disciples. He won't quit blessing people. Why? Why does he go through all of this trouble? Or, or even, how can this guy have the audacity to say the things that he says in Ephesians 1, that he is blessed with every spiritual blessing. Because the Apostle Paul knew who the blessing of Christ made him and what the blessings of Christ gave him. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. It's the adoption of the sinner 
into the family of God that filled the Apostle Paul with confidence to go through all of this stuff and have the audacity to call himself blessed. Adoption into the family of God is the blessing that which all of these other blessings spring out of. We're redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Christ. Why? To be made sons and daughters of God, to be adopted into the family of God, to participate in an inheritance that we could never earn on our own, to partake of Christ's reward and Christ's inheritance from the Father. Paul writes this in Romans 8. He said, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is how we bless others. We don't buy into the gospels of consumerism and self-help culture that say, be your own God, earn your own inheritance. But we get to participate in the inheritance of Jesus earned on our behalf because of the gospel of Jesus done on our behalf. Christ has done for us and given to us by means of his grace to the glory and praise of the Father. It's by the adoption of Christ to God that we receive an immeasurable inheritance we could never earn on our own. Jesus is the heir of all things, the person to whom all things were created. And what do we get to do from that? As, as we rebelled against him, we wandered in the desert, resisted him. And what does he do? He pursues us with an inheritance that he earned for himself. He calls us to reign over all things with him. Be co-heirs over all things with him. Paul believed that he lacked nothing for life and godliness. And if you are in Christ this morning, this is your reality. You lack nothing. And what does God call us to do with this blessing of being adopted, with this blessing of having an inheritance? What is our response now? Go, continue in the expression, continue expressing the promise of Abraham to be a blessing to the nations that was fulfilled in Christ. The father sent his son to fulfill the promise of the blessing, and now he sends his adopted sons to express that blessing. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave us in this place of chance. He doesn't leave us to hold on to this inheritance as tight as we can. But what he does is he makes it certain. And he makes it certain by giving us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee that there is no squandering. There's no Luke 15 prodigal son moment where we blow it all because we would. He guarantees that our participation in this inheritance is certain. It's all God. Christians are the only people in the world who are free to not buy into consumerism or self-help. Because we're the only people who know we actually don't lack anything. 
we're the only people who can actually say we don't lack anything. Others and other religions, they'll try and say, at best, to bless, to be blessed. That's not the gospel. Jesus says, bless because you are blessed. We have everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the Father says, bless others. Now, what does that look like? Or more specifically, through some of the identities that we've talked about so far, what does that look like? The identities of family and missionary and learners. How can we bless others out of these each week, consistently? Practically, it may look like this. As a family member, you could speak an encouraging word to someone who needs to be reminded who they are in Christ. Reminded of the inheritance they have. Reminded of the family that they have. The father that they have. Could be cooking a meal for someone who's had a baby or been in the hospital. Could be paying a bill for someone in your missional community. Or sitting with someone in the emergency room so that way they don't have to be there by themselves. Could be helping someone move in your missional community. These are just ways that my missional community has practiced the rhythm of blessing in the last six months. Side plug, join our MC if you're not in one. Thunder Ridge, card six, I'll meet you out there. Now what about missionaries? How do we bless others through the identity of a missionary? We can cook meals for our neighbors or have a neighborhood cookout. We could grab coffee with someone that you're on mission to and you could fit the bill. You can mow a neighbor's lawn or how about this? Did you guys know you can tip over 15%? <laughs> Crazy, right? They accept it too. It's wild. How about hearing someone's story? Just listening with good gospel ears. What about as a learner? Do you make time for younger, newer, more immature Christians? Have you got with Alex and asked, how can I help you disciple students in the youth ministry? Are you actively and intentionally discipling someone towards a more vibrant relationship with Jesus? You could, you could buy a book and go through it with someone. You could sit down and just chat theology over a drink. But your blessing and your learning, the identity of a learner and the rhythm of blessing, don't just have to be about theology, believe it or not. Are you a single lady who wants to have kids one day? Or a mom who's not had any kids yet and wants to? How about you ask a mom that you respect in your missional community or someone that you know, hey, can I come over and just like help you? Can I help you change some diapers or get the kids down for a nap or do some chores? That's a way where you can bless a mom and learn what it means to be a mom at the same time. Or maybe you're not a handyman, but you'd like to learn. 
because you'll have a house one day that you have to watch over and care after? What would it look like to go to someone in your MC who maybe is a little bit more skilled in a trade or a little bit more of a handyman and say, hey, can I just like join you while you're putting together a deck? If that's what you do, I don't know if you put together decks or not. Build a deck? I've not built many decks. Um, could you join them in something that they're doing, a, a project that they have with means of blessing them with your help and learning how to do it yourself? These are all just practical ways that you could start the rhythm of blessing others this week. These are ways that we can begin to live out our identities as family and missionary and learners and bless others through that. And it's only as sons and daughters of God, it's only by realizing our adopted condition that we're free to be able to bless other people, especially bless other people this intensely or this frequently. Because our culture is telling us something different. It's only by recognizing that you actually don't lack anything that you're free to bless others. And so Christian, today as we come to the Lord's table, we get to look and see, eat and drink, and be reminded of the fact that there was nothing that Christ held onto for himself to bless us. There was nothing that he held back for himself, but he gave it all, his body and blood, to bring you into the family of God, to adopt you as a son, to be blessed and to be a blessing. Now, often our lives don't resemble that of blessing because we're a blessing. We often think about ourselves each week, and so this week we get to come to the table and realize that God has forgiven us of that, but also now sends us out again. Or maybe this morning you're not a Christian, and the call from Jesus this morning is not come and eat and drink. The call of Jesus to you is come and be blessed. Let's pray. Father, would you forgive us for just how frequently we forget all we have in Christ? Would you remind us that there was nothing that you held on to? There was nothing that you held a little too tightly to, other than the fact that you wanted to bring glory to the Father, Jesus, and you did that through adopting a people to yourself. Father, this morning, would you, as we take the elements, would you remind us of our blessed condition, but then would you also, by your Holy Spirit, send us as sons and daughters, to bless the world. Father, would you 
encourage us to even do that this week. Father, our inheritance is great. But there's no inheritance without Christ. So we want to thank you for his sacrifice and ask that that be the thing that consumes our everyday ordinary, the gospel of Jesus. I thank you again for calling us here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.